Hey everyone, welcome to the Delta Flyers with Tom and Harry as we journey through episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Your two hosts along this journey are my fellow Trek actor and producer and director of the acclaimed TV series, Chuck, Mr. Yes. Robert Duncan McNeil, and myself, you. your favorite ensign, Garrett Wong. Remember, you can get the full version of this podcast by signing up to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash the Delta Flyers. All righty. Well, hello there. Hello. You have a new green screen. That's so exciting. I do. I've, uh, I'm, I'm trying to like modernize my podcast studio. Yeah. Simplify it. I think, you know, I got the new mic. We, yeah, yeah. It's funny because, you know, in the very beginning when I was like, okay, so we need this, we need that. And I was giving you recommendations on, on mics and this, and you just went off and got your own mic. And Did now you have one that is just like mine in Calgary. Yes, and so your green screen is now evolved into one that I have, like one I have in Vegas, where you just pull it up out of a, uh, you know, it just so kind of comes easy. up. It's much easier. So I'm happy that, you know, after two years, you finally have kind of come around a little bit to um, my camp to the modern, so to speak. Yeah, to to the the modern mo podcast world <laughs> welcome to the modern podcast world robbie mcneil exactly. so really excited to to hear that you have better uh or more easy to deal with equipment yes right because yes. yes. let's face it that that collapsible green screen not only is it difficult to collapse down and open back up again it's i think it's a health hazard to be honest that thing flips out so hard podcasting is dangerous it, for all you <laughs> aspiring podcasters yes. out there yes it is a dang it's dangerous work yes it really it is. is but most importantly with that collapsible screen which i what i still use in calgary it is rounded it's sort of rounded. So that means yes. always fidgeting with the sides to make sure that it's not showing the room, you know? So there's, there's issues with that thing as, as much as it's portable and you can collapse it down. It's not a square, you know, no. it's sort of a, an oval is what it is, which. Well, the, what the, the funny thing to me, as you're talking about green screens is I know you use a green screen. I don't use a green screen. I'm actually in space <laughs> right now, right out in front of, the Voyager. Oh. And I, I go, I'm, I'm all natural with this. You know, you know, it's so impressive because I don't yeah. see any type of breathing apparatus that you're using and you are able to somehow survive. Float in space because that's how committed to an authentic hmm. natural podcast. I, I podcast naturally. That's unbelievable. Yes. And for you aspiring podcasters out there, I would recommend organic podcasting, natural <laughs> you podcasting. Have a you must have a side deal with either Richard Branson or Elon Musk where they yes. actually shoot Fly you into space. Yes. Every, before every episode. Every podcast I wow. go float in space because I want to be natural. <laughs> you know, the consummate professional, you definitely are that. Wow. Thank you. I want to talk about my hat too. Enough about podcasting gear. Yeah. This is from Capitol Reef National Park. Oh. Uh, Rebecca and I just went down for a couple of days. Uh, doing some uh, exploring the national parks here in Utah, Capitol Reef National Love Park. It. Unbelievable. It is so stunning and just awe-inspiring. Uh, I feel like it's a very underrated national park and it wasn't too crowded. We, we were able to get around pretty easily. It was just incredible. And I got this hat. So there you go. It's a cool looking hat. It's a beautiful area. Uh, if you want photos, go to either Robbie or Rebecca's Instagram. They have posted uh, oh, yeah, quite a bit we recently. Yes. The hat is phenomenal. Let's just face it. It's, it's a nice a hat. Is it br hat. dark brown? Is it What color is that? Gray? It's kind of like a muted brown. Yeah. Brown. I love the patch. I love, I just like National Park kind of gap. Yeah. It's cool. Okay. All right. There you I go. Like so it was a great trip. It was a great trip. What are we doing this week? What is the episode? I'm, I'm just back from a national park. I have no idea what we're going to talk about today. All right. So this week's episode is Juggernaut. Juggernaut. That's what we're watching? It's a great name. It's cool. It's a really good name. I used to play a video game where there was a character call or a thing that you had to fight against that was called the Juggernaut. And it was very difficult to defeat. So I remember, mm. uh, yeah. So it's it's sort of like, you know, the term 
juggernaut is is a it inspires like a force is yes, what it is a yeah. military battle yeah. with a giant yeah. force of some kind okay yeah, yeah. So that's what we're going to go watch. And let's go watch it. Let's go watch this episode. We'll be right back with our recap and review of Juggernaut. Patreon patrons, please stay tuned for your bonus material. We're back from watching Juggernaut. Yes. Scary ah. monsters. Oh, goodness gracious. Scary monsters in ships that look like they have gas problems. <laughs> gastroenteritis what yeah some kind of <laughs> gaseous anomaly that's okay. leaking out of that giant ship it was frightening it was frightening. all right uh, let's start with our poetry synopsis Malon's in trouble away team sent to vent gas vihar are not myth oh. <laughs> okay. nice nice let me hear All right. this. Here Let we go with a, a nice limerick for Juggernaut. It goes a little something like this. There once was a Malon waste freighter with a real scary monster perpetrator. Janeway had a plan B. Seven had plan C and D. But Balana ended up the Terminator. <laughs> Bam! Terminator, perpetrator, freighter. You got all the... <laughs> Aiders in there. Good for you. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice little okay. limerick. Yeah. Was that what's what percentage was you? That was all me. What? Good job. Okay. That was all me. I'm Thank impressed. you. I'm very proud of myself. I am uh, you've, nine you've times evolved. Out of ten. It's usually uh RJ, but you've evolved. Yes, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. Thank you. Thank you very much. You have an evolution. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Juggernaut yeah. story by Brian Fuller. Story by Brian Fuller. I guess that's written by Brian Fuller. No, uh, well, the, the teleplay was it was written by Fuller, Sagan, and Biller. So I got Biller right. Ah. Okay. So the story idea was pitched by Fuller, which they said, yes, we're going to go with it. And they let him write it as well as Nick Sagan and Ken Biller. And I, I guess see. I guess Biller on that one, didn't I? I think yeah, I you did. So yeah, okay. No, Biller made sense because yeah. of the and Bolana you agreed with story. me. You agreed yeah, with me totally. on that one. Yep, totally. And I got um, the director right, Alan Craker. Yeah, I got it right on this one. And he did a great job. I thought it was really well, well directed. And yeah. we'll get into like we'll get into the the you know the good and the bad of it all yeah. as far as an episode but as yeah. far as directing again alan just has good instincts and the way he you know kind of gets the camera in there to feel the experience of the characters is uh -huh. really great he did a great mm -hmm. job let's talk about our guest stars i'm gonna do what i normally do first job ever that's yeah. about all i know i didn't go deep so all i know is what their first job is but uh ron canada i just love that name I do too. I want you to change your name to Robbie America. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. I like it. Go ahead, Ron Canada. Ron Canada, who plays Fessick. His very first job was in 1983. He did a movie with Steve Gutenberg called oh, wow. The Man Who Wasn't There. Oh, my goodness. 83 yeah. with Gutenberg. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's reaching deep. There. That's Ron Canada. I think Ron mm. Canada also was on Battlestar, or what? I think really? so. But again, I I don't have all this research. So or Babylon Five or one of those shows. He was huh. like a regular recurring. Um, huh. So he's got some sci-fi cred, but that was his first job. The man who wasn't there, Steve Gutenberg, nineteen eighty-three. Okay, mm -hmm. Lee Ehrenberg, who plays Pelk. Yes, my his old very buddy Lee. first job, Lee Ehrenberg. His first job was in 1987, a movie with Martin Short called oh. Cross My Heart. Wow. 1987. Huh. And then last we have Scott Clace, who played Drimk. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Basically okay. the monster, right? He was the Drink. monster guy. Yeah. His first job was in the 90s, believe it or not. Mm. He did a TV movie with John Mahoney, who was the father on Frasier. Mm. John Mahoney was a, a, the big star back then of this TV movie called The $10 Million Getaway. 
I've that never was, heard of that. But okay. No, I actually haven't heard of any of these credits. Wow. That's, that's what I love about it is that it's usually your first job is on, often on something that's uh, kind of obscure. Although Lee Ehrenberg was in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. He yeah. was one of the one of the pirates, right? That's right. And it's kind of what he's known for is yes, and he also was at UCLA with me. He's older than he really? I, yeah, he's older than I am, so he's a few years ahead of me. But he was at the UCLA theater department back in the day. And Lee's great. He's really, really great. It's interesting because there's a lot of Easter eggs in this episode. Like for instance, the character that Ron Canada plays, yes. Fessick. That's the same name that's used in. Um, princess bride so oh, is like, it really yeah that character exists in princess bride and then later there's more and as we get to them i will reveal the other easter eggs i didn't know that uh, yeah let's yeah. let's hear i want to hear about that sure. okay cool sure well okay. let's get into the the recap so the first image we have is of this giant alien ship a freighter mm-hmm. flying through space and as it passes by we see this gas and yeah. my first thought was like the giant farting ship is flying through space. So I'm going to call it the fart ship. So the farting, the fart ship flies by and then we cut inside to a very cool corridor inside this alien ship. And my Mm. first thought was, Oh, it's a Borg corridor. (laughs) It looked just like the Borg corridors with a little redressed with a little extra, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, I, I thought that was kind of clever. So that maybe that's repurposed. our first Easter egg right there. There's you know, a board just, corridor. Yeah, a board corridor. Okay. And we, and we see somebody with a, like what looks like a toy. I didn't know yeah. what it was at first. I didn't it, know if it was a tool that he was testing for something, but he. Yeah, but it ship. turns out it's a yeah. toy ship, mm-hmm. um, and it's and it looks a lot like the freighter, sort yeah. of, kind of. And he's flying it down the corridor and he takes us into a larger room where he crashes it into another alien buddy of his. Mm -hmm. And uh, we we learn that this is a toy for this commander's kid. This uh, yeah, controller is the controller he uses here. Yeah, yeah, the controller's kid. uh, Mm -hmm. It's going to be a toy for him. And suddenly there's a crash, a shake, and there's a rupture in tank four. Mm-hmm. They can't eject tank four. Then bam, another one. Tank six is rupturing. Yeah. You know, so we get a little action. He tells the he tells one of the aliens to go seal it manually. They can't seal these tanks. And he goes, I'll be infected. And he's like, nope, that's an order. Go. Yeah. And well, first of I- all, he says, I, I didn't sign up for core labor. You know, so yes. already, already, you now know that there's two different classifications yes. of crew members, the ones that are on the bridge and away from the core and the ones that are in the core. So my question for you is, is the alien, the Vahar, was he the guy sent down to shut them? Yeah. You know, he's the same yes. guy then, right? I think, okay. yes, Okay. that has to be the same guy. Yeah, yeah. And and by the way, their makeup is very cool. So they're Malon. So we yeah. recognize them as Malon, but they've got blisters and like mm-hmm. sores. Boils. And there's yeah. Boils and there's smoke all through it. The place looks grimy, this freighter. Clearly, this is a toxic environment they work in from the get-go. Very much that. so, yes. So uh, off of him ordering this alien to go seal it manually, go to core labor, do some core labor. Mm-hmm. I think of core labor more as sit-ups or planks, but... <laughs> uh, I guess for them, core labor is a different thing. Uh, uh, you got fitness on your mind right now. I huh? really do. Okay. And we have our opening credits off of that. And then we come into Club Tuvok. Club Tuvok. He's in his club gear. He's he got is. a club look going on with the yeah. robe and the dark yeah. lights. And, and lo and behold, it's your lady. That's it's at Club Tuvok. Yeah, he's got a lamp and he's describing this lamp and we realize it's Bolana in there for some meditation lessons. Mm-hmm. And we learn in the scene that uh, she's been ordered to do this meditation by Chakotay because she broke the doctor's camera in engineering when he was <laughs> taking photos and she got pissed off because she kept saying, stop, don't take my picture. And, and he did why, it anyway. Why was he taking photos? Why was he taking photos? I don't remember. It's for his photo essay. A oh, day right. in the life of the warp core. Remember that? That's right. Just, yes, that's so right. Funny. Yes. <laughs> uh, but Chicote ordered her to meditate. She's very grumpy about this. Oh, yeah. So he says, okay, sit down. Close your eyes if you want or don't. We're going to start to meditate. And he 
starts asking her to like picture the flame and she starts laughing. Yes. And I immediately thought about Rebecca and I, because I like to meditate sometimes. <laughs> she, she likes to laugh at you. She likes to laugh about it. <laughs> oh, wow. So this okay. is a very relatable, I'm sure people <laughs> there's, you know, the two schools of meditators and non-meditators out yeah. there that could relate to the scene, both sides yeah. of the scene, hmm. but she does fight through her giggles and she remembers all of a sudden she has this memory this right before kid, you get in the memory the reason yeah. why she's giggling you do recall is because she's visualizing tuvok as a little vulcan yes, with his with cute his little pointy ears, ears. Yes, yes 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 she mm-hmm. that, thinks that's adorable yeah um but she does remember all of a sudden she has a flash from when she was a kid of a classmate that terrorized her in in grade school in elementary school or I think she says grade school. I can't Grammar remember. school. Grammar school. That's what mm-hmm. she said. You remember the name? Daniel Bird is his name. And that's the other Easter egg. What that's is that? the same guy's name that was Harry's buddy in the episode Non Sequitur. When he goes back to Earth and his buddy, Daniel Bird, takes his place on Voyager while he goes back into this time this alternate reality so they're rehashing names they are rehashing the exact same name and this guy's buddies with harry so it's a little strange because your guess i would guess that torres is older than harry right so daniel bird should be older than harry but daniel bird in that episode is harry's contemporary his best buddy so again they're using all these names fessick from you know princess bride and then daniel bird from the episode non sequitur it's just like what is going on here interesting interesting okay Good Easter eggs, good catches, very good catches. But we realized Daniel Bird in grammar school terrorized her. He called her Miss Turtlehead. Mm -hmm. And so she attacked him on the gyro swing. Yeah. And as she's recalling this, she's getting really angry. Like that that rage is coming out. And Tuvok says, you know, your anger is, is, can be a source of strength for you, Mm -hmm. but your rage runs deep and you shouldn't let it drive you you shouldn't let it control you mm-hmm. and then he calls her miss Turtlehead, and she's like that's it i'm out of here i'm done <laughs> and he says you're easily uh triggered or yeah you know he yeah, he, he was testing says, her he was just testing her yeah but she's done she's out i wouldn't have said miss Turtlehead. i would have said mth i would have given the uh, acronym you know yeah just to stay away from too much yeah. direct triggering like that yeah nice okay. We go to the bridge next and Hera steps on the bridge and steps, walks over to Tuvok. Ah, By yes. the way, I want to say, where is Paris coming from? I'm going to say he was in the bathroom. <laughs> he had to go 10-100. You think uh, that's where he was? 10-100, okay. by the way, is code on a film set for, for I've got to go to the bathroom. Bathroom or washroom if you're Canadian. Or washroom. washroom. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I think Paris was 10-100, came back, and there was Tuvok, and he's like, oh, there's Tuvok, I'll check in. How'd it go with Boana? He's checking in. You know, Tuvok's like, eh, not, not great. And, uh, but, you know, we're, we're going to keep at it. And Paris is like, this is not going to be easy. This is like, Paris says, this is like getting a Ferengi to leave its estate to charity. That's how hard <laughs> this is going to be. I think it's at this point that Harry picks up a distress signal. Yep, and- he does. Um, we make our way to the source of the distress signal and we come across all these escape pods that seem to be just floating in space there. Just kind of tumbling just around, tumbling around. Like a debris field. Almost. Yeah, pretty much. And um, we detect theta radiation. So uh, we look, you know, we, we scan all these pods and it seems like there's only two life signs that are present. We beam those mm-hmm. two over into sick bay. And- we also find out when we see this debris field, these are escape pods. But we do detect a Malon freighter yes. traveling in the distance at high impulse, and it's abandoned. Correct. We scan it. There are no life signs. So this freighter has been abandoned. All these escape pods are out there, and this thing is flying flying along through space. Yeah, um, yeah so we go to the sick bay where we've beamed over the only two that were alive. Yeah, and, and we realize that um, one of them is Controller Fessick, who was revived by the doctor. And Janeway's down there, and he says that 
they lost uh, a lot of their crew, most of their crew, when um, all these ruptures started to happen. Mm-hmm. And then, she, you know, Fessick says, listen, you got to get away because this freighter is going to explode. When it does, everything within three light years, a three light year radius will be basically disintegrated. So mm-hmm. Janeway says, all right, move Voyager to a distance of five light years. We jump back over to the bridge. We see Paris trying to answer these orders, but he cannot because the warp field has collapsed. And um, this is due to all the theta radiation disrupting subspace. And this is when Janeway decides to take the opposite <laughs> plan, which is follow the Malon yes. freighter, head which is right to, it. right to it. Let's go there. And Let's... of course, the look on Fessick's face is great. He's like, whoa, 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 say that, say that again, come again. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a little shocked that we're going to do this. But this is really the only way to stop the explosion is to try to, yeah, just try to get on that freighter and stop it that way. Because we don't have time with impulse engines. We would never be able to get away. So we're going to get, we're going to, we're going to basically lose our lives if we don't do something about it. And I like this exterior shot of Voyager chasing towards the The Malon freight, the fart ship. And then it cuts over to a bridge, you know, like sort of a POV over the shoulder of Paris, uh, looking at the view screen and you see Mm -hmm. the the Malon vessel, which is just hurtling forward. Right in front of us there, chasing it along. By the way, that shot of the view screen with Paris down there working, I remember doing those all the time. Yeah. Um, it was always second unit. We never did it when we filmed the scenes. And I remember sometimes it was weeks or even months later sometimes that yes. I do those, those second unit shots. And it was so confusing. Like, wait, what do we, what is this story again? Cause we had done, you know, so many episodes at that yeah. point after. And, and I was usually there by myself with like Dan Curry from the VisFX department. I know you did a lot of those too, but being not as down many as front, you did. You I did, did a more. lot. Yeah, yeah. Because of the view screen. Cause I yeah. sat down there in front of the view screen. So really the onus is upon yourself to sort of remember where you were during that time. And also the second unit director has to remind you what the heck's going on at this yeah. point, because they're usually shooting multiple um uh, shots basically covering different episodes worth of uh of povs over your shoulder yeah. right there so i definitely um i feel for you having to to, to try to remember all it was that. always a easy. weird day when i'd come in for that because i'd usually come in just for that and that it'd just be the, you right no one else was there just usually you, just me second unit director cameraman yeah, yeah. sound that's it Okay, the storage tanks are going to explode within six hours. So Janeway wants to assemble an away team to beam over, clear out sections one by one. And Fessick suggests using a nearby nebula as a shield from the blast. And then, you know, this is his suggestion, his plan. And Janeway disagrees with that. She tells Chakotay to assemble an away team. And this is when Lee Ehrenberg's character, Pelk, yells out, wait! Tell them about the Vihar. And these Vihar, we learn, are creatures that have been created by radiogenic wastes that reside in the Theta storage tanks. So now we have a little bit of this mystery or of, of this lore or yes. whatever, you know, yeah. this, um, the boogeyman, the Malon boogeyman now. Um, I think we'd now jump to engineering. Yeah, we do. Yeah, Chakotay's looking at a display showing the Malon vessel schematics of the Malon vessel. He decides that the best place to enter is this chamber, which has the least amount of radiation. And really to start from that chamber and to vent gas from each chamber above it until they can get to the control room, the chamber that has the control room. And they realize that all the pressurization systems are offline. So they have to basically you utilize the two airlocks that are on each, each deck or each chamber to manually, um, release this gas, vent this gas. And then the question by Vesic is, well, how's that going to stop us from being vented? And Neelix says, well, force fields, force fields. I, he spent a lot of time on a, a Talaxian garbage scow, I guess. Yes. And, Which and we said, never knew. He we says, never knew six, that. Six years I worked on a Talaxian garbage <laughs> scow. Neelix was a garbage man. Because he, uh, he was a scrap he was a scrapper later, so that makes yeah, yeah it's it kind of does make sense. Yeah, yeah, but his suggestion is pretty cool. Use force fields. We will use force yeah. fields to stop us from getting vented. And also, we find out that the doctor has come up with this inoculation that we can get this shot of, and and um, this will prevent our cells from absorbing the radiation for about mm-hmm. two to three hours. 
And then there's this, again, there's, there's a little interaction between Chakotay and Chakotay and Bellana. And man, he sets, he, he always he's sets tough. her straight. He he's a tough, tough cookie. On her. Yeah. Yeah. They, they I, always write those scenes with him being like the, 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 dad. the tough guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. The, the tough exactly. love where he always says, do you hear me? Do you hear me? It's always this very militaristic, very stern sort of approach yeah. that, that Chakotay takes with Bolana, this tough love. And, you know, and I love his line, Bolana, I need your expertise on this mission, not your bad mood, <laughs> which was a, yeah. which is, oh, it's so classic. It's a classic line. And I love, I love yeah. that that was included there. We go to the mess hall next and we find Neelix tasting what looks like pea soup yeah me. it looks like split pea soup to me yeah. it looks like split pea soup <laughs> and he's just it's a close-up of him like trying to force himself to taste this and he starts heaving and you know gagging, gagging on it <laughs> yeah and then and then he, he takes a bite and then chicote walks in and chicote says you know are you almost ready and you know, uh, do you want to prepare anything for the crew? Anything left to do? He says, oh, no, he's already prepared lunch, dinner, snacks for the crew. Mm. But he's still working on this Talaxian theta radiation remedy. So that's what it was. The split pea soup was that. Yeah. And he says it's crushed rama leaf. It's tertillium clove. <laughs> and Chakotay is like, well, why don't you just use the doctor's inoculation? And Neelix is, uh, Neelix is like, no, no, no. No, this is the thing that saved us before when, you know, we were exposed to radiation. We use this. This remedy is very important. So he adds he adds more spices, I guess, oh. to the thing and takes another bite and starts to gag and vomit. And then Chakotay starting to gag and vomit from that. And he pulls out like a chunk or something. Yeah. This is I had I wrote down. This is one of the silliest moments in the series so far. Well, it was such at, <laughs> scenery chewing silliness that I, I thought it was hilarious. It is. But if you look at Robert Beltran, he is trying not to laugh. To I mean, laugh. He, I I mean know. he's trying his hardest because, my goodness, Ethan Phillips is just playing it all the way. I mean, he's he's, oh he's pulling God. out all the stops. He's like thinking, I'm going to play. I'm going to milk this moment. Until there's nothing left. And he does. Yeah. I mean, it's very funny. It's very <laughs> funny does. watching him do that. Oh it's my gosh. very funny. Uh, Harry does call, though, and say, you know, uh, time to go to the transporter room. Yeah. We're ready to, ready to leave on the away mission. Chakotay mm -hmm. leaves. Neelix has to take one more, dips his finger in and takes one more <laughs> taste of it and sort of does another gag on the way out. Oh, he milked it. Wow. He did. It was it was amazing. Good job. We go into the hallway now. We see Paris running to catch up with Bolana, mm -hmm. and he's like, "Hey, aren't you forgetting something?" She's like, "What? What did I forget? I've got everything." He's like, "No, saying goodbye. You didn't say goodbye to me." Yes. And she says, "Nah, I thought we might fight." It's a sweet scene. He kind of stops her from for a minute, and they they talk, and then he gives her a, a goodbye kiss. But did you notice in this scene the sound? So this was all looped, all the walking, until we stop. And then it's not looped after that. And mm -hmm. the sound changes. Like you can literally hear the difference, the, the yeah. quality of our dialogue from the stuff they had us loop yeah. until I, God, I just hate that. We, it know. was like a no brainer. We always looped the hallway scenes. It just takes away all of the natural spontaneity. Because yeah. we don't loop, you know, Roxanne and I weren't in the room together looping it. No. We shot the scene and then we loop it. I loop it Separate. by myself, mm -hmm. line by line by line. She does yeah. hers line by line. Yeah. So it just, it's going to naturally be a little more awkward. It's going to be disconnected. It it's going to yeah. be disconnected. And then at the end, when you kiss her, it's a sweet moment, but I kind of wanted you to boop her nose as well before, oh, just to kind of lighten nice. the mood just a little bit more. Yeah. We used to do that on set. Remember, we'd walk around and hit yeah. each other's combat. Boop, boop. Yes, we did. That was we fun. Boop, we booped each other quite a bit. Yeah, it was childish fun. We go over to the uh, mail on ship. And yeah. The team beams in. It was a cool beam in in that yep. space. Yeah. Um, Neelix's first line as they beam in, he looks around and goes, well, a fresh coat of paint would brighten this up. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, dude, this place is a disaster. A fresh coat of paint is not going to fix this, this repurposed board ship. No. And by the way, he's in he's in that red jumpsuit. All of a sudden I was like, wait, what? Neelix has a red velvet jumpsuit for away missions? I've never seen this. 
I've never seen the red velvet jumpsuit. Okay. It's a whole new look. <laughs> I didn't even notice it. <laughs> the whole honest. episode. The okay. whole episode. He's in the red. It's very dark and smoky. And so it's wait, hard wait to was he wearing it when he was trying the soup? I didn't notice it there, but I noticed okay. it when you could see him full figure. And I was like, where, where is that, that velour from? jumpsuit coming from? Yeah. Okay. Why didn't he just go in a Starfleet uniform or something? Oh, or, or I don't know anything. He, was, he, he wanted to throw, he wanted to throw back to the eighties. I guess what so. It was. My yeah. goodness. They walk uh, in and they realize that there's uh, some kind of electrostatic cascade happening. Cause we do yeah. see static, like almost static electricity on the walls. Yeah. And the ceiling area, all, mm-hmm. all VFX. That was very cool. Yeah. They realize that it's it's a uh, being caused by their tricorders. The energy mm-hmm. from their tricorders are going to create this explosion or this igniting the particles there. So. Ignite the particles, and it's very dangerous. And by the way, I, I did notice that Bolana takes her top off very quickly. She goes down to like a tank top <laughs> in this scene. I was like, what? Where did that come? Who wrote that? Who wrote that? I don't think Brian Fuller wrote that. I think it was Ken Billet. <laughs> I think it was Ken Billet. <laughs> Ken Billet. When he gets a little, you know, that's how we'll, and, we'll pronounce his name. Billet, if he yeah. you know, causes these things to happen in the episode. Yeah. All right. But her, yeah, she takes her top off, which, by the way, we were in jumpsuits. So she doesn't have a top. So I don't no. know how that how that is possible. But nope. And we never wore tank tops underneath. So nope. it was created just for her to have some skin, I guess. That's it. She kind of looked like Sarah Connor. That's why I put in the. Oh, the, okay. Yeah. The tank, because she was down in a tank top with all the grease everywhere. Yes, yes. That's why I put the Terminator thing in there. Oh, okay. Perfect. That's yeah. where it came from. Okay. That's where it came from. They realized that they're going to have to manually open these airlocks. Mm-hmm. And Chakotay sends uh, Fessick and Torres to the injector port and. Mm-hmm. Pelk stays with the rest of them. So they're going to go manually open this. They can't use their tricorders or anything. Mm-hmm. We find them crawling in through some tube, some kind of I'm gonna, call Yeah, I said the Malon Jeffries. You got, you're going to say the Malon fart tubes? I said the, the Malon Jeffries tubes, but okay. Yeah, look kind of like that, but I'm going to mm. call them fart tubes. Fart tubes. And uh, she asked, how can you even work in these conditions? This is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, actually back home i'm a sculptor i'm not yeah. even <laughs> i don't even do this normally right yeah <laughs> and and then he goes on to basically say like our planet is the most beautiful place Malon is the most beautiful place yeah. you can imagine and uh they would choke on all their waste it would destroy this beautiful planet if mm-hmm. they didn't make these kind of sacrifices mm-hmm. and get rid of this stuff Get rid of the trash. Like, I, just avoid, like, pretend that we don't create trash. Pretend we don't have any any trash in our lives. And- I, I just got to say, at this point, when he's talking about that, I could just, I, all I could think about was our planet Earth and how much yeah. trash that we generate as human beings and all the landfills and all the plastics and all the everything that is just not decomposing properly. And that's yeah. not organic and just how we are, we are also in a way, in essence, choking on our own trash too. Yeah. So yep. yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do get to this lever. They can't get it to work. It's, it's um, well, they, they call to Chakotay Neelix and say we can't get this thing to work. But well, something's says, jamming the airlock controls. That's what something's it was. jamming it. And mm-hmm. Pelk says uh, probably encrusted oxides or something on the mm-hmm. on the controls. And so he will go. He will he will go yeah. by himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, Neelix gives him the doctor's inoculation before he goes. An extra shot. Which, yeah. An extra shot, which is kind of nice. And he goes to manually unlock this uh, this thing, and we start to see some monster vision. Yes, the monster POV. Hmm. Yes. What? Well, yeah. What lens was that? It was sort of. I don't know. It was kind of. I don't know if it was any particularly it, fancy lens. I think they did it in VFX. They did some. Okay. Because it, it almost came off as like, you know how old 3D has like sort of that red and blue sort of yeah um, edge into it. That's what it kind of looked like at at some point. It, it almost looked like heat vision or something. Yeah. You know something I mean? like that. Mm-hmm. But we do see the monster vision and Pelk is like, uh, he, he senses something, hears something, he calls out who's there. 
tons of smoke in here, which I thought was really cool. Mm -hmm. And do you remember when we did scenes like this, where there was this much smoke and nitrogen and all the stuff they use, mm. the whole stage would just be filled. Like you couldn't get away from it. Even when no. you weren't in the scene, mm -mm. it was just the whole stage was smogged up with all that stuff. And it yeah. had to be, or else the set would, you know, would just empty out. The smoke would just disappear. So yeah, all that toxic smoke we had to endure. Yes. Mm -hmm. We cut back to Neelix and Chicote. They hear screams, they run, and he sort of sort of tumbles out into the back into the fart corridor. And, <laughs> yeah. and they check on him. Balana and Fesic return yeah. as well. And, and Pelk is is saying to everybody that he was attacked. So everyone's yeah. thinking, what is he talking about? And unfortunately, you know, Pelk um, succumbs to his wounds and he dies right there. Right there. I was a little shocked. I was like, oh my goodness, he's already dead. So yeah, I don't know. How did he die? Like, I think kind of didn't make sense. Like, well, he you wasn't... saw he had lacerations on his cheeks, right? So yes. where he got hit. So evidently, so, whatever he was radiation. Hit, yeah, it, the 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 genetic material of whatever hit him was in his wounds and i guess it caused him to to die faster i mean he had he was more irradiated then at that point is what i got I, out of it but yes. i don't know it's a little confusing it's, it's a little confusing like the rules of this radiation that it can create monsters mm -hmm. who don't die they just turn into mm -hmm. fart monsters let's call mm -hmm. them yes. i just want to call everything farts okay. in this episode all right so the fart monster gets created because they're around the radiation too much but Pelk dies when the fart monster touches him. It's just the, the rules seem to be a little yeah. fluid. I think a, it's a little bit more than a touch. But yes, it seemed a little drastic for him to die from getting struck in the face twice yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they do beam his body back to Voyager because they want the doctor to do uh, an autopsy and figure out what made him die because everyone's mm -hmm. just confused. They don't, they don't understand. Now we jump to the bridge and we learn that five decks have been vented so far of the gas. There's 10 to go. Mm -hmm. Janeway has a backup plan, plan B. She talks about there's an O-type star nearby. And if the freighter happens to explode in the star's corona, the star could actually absorb all of the theta radiation. So Tuvok is like, huh, okay. So just a little tiny nudge using well-timed tractor pulses. This could put the vessel on the correct trajectory towards that O-type star. So he thinks it's a good idea as well. And of course, this is just the backup plan, but this is the plan that Janeway has come up with. Plan B. Mm -hmm. Plan B. Always, always good to have a plan B. It is. We go to the ship, back to the mail on ship again. Neelix, mm -hmm. Bellana, and Fessick are there. Um, and and Bellana is starting to show some signs of radiation poisoning. Yeah. We see her hand first with some sores and blisters. And then we cut back to her face. And suddenly she's got the uh, the blisters on her face. Yeah, and Fessick calls it freighter blight. Freighter yeah, blight. that's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. And uh, she's going to need treatment for this right away. Fessick says he can. He says our infirmary has stuff to treat this. So Chakotay yeah. orders um, Balana to go with Fessick to the infirmary. She she thinks she's fine, but he does order her. You need to go. Uh, they do head over there. And there's a joke about how Balana's like, this is your infirmary? This looks, I mean, because it just, it doesn't. She says it looks like a morgue. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't Because look it looks like the rest of the ship. There's like smoke <laughs> yes. everywhere and goo it's, and. Yeah, it's just And grime. then there's a chamber in the middle. She looks inside <laughs> yeah. and there's like this radiated corpse inside yeah. there. And we find out that this was probably, this was a core laborer. This is what happened yeah. to the core laborers. And they brought him back for some treatments mm -hmm. when all the, you know, everything started falling apart. Yep. And um, I think they gave a number before only three out of 10 core laborers survive a mission, I think. Is it, what yeah. And she's said. like, yeah. why would they do this? And he goes, well, you can make in yeah. two months, you can make more than most uh, mailings make in a lifetime. Yeah. So that's she's huge money. Yeah. Tons of money. And she's like, well, who cares? You're dead. If you're going to yeah. make tons of money. And he goes, no, it goes to your family. Yeah. So yeah. it's a very heroic 
um, you know, (laughs) martyr kind of job to take. Most definitely. I mean, you are, it's sort of a a mission that has no return. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. For most of these guys, and they understand it. They understand what they're getting into. So Fessick uses this subdermal injector, which compared to our hypospray, it looks, it looks like, like a, a torture. It's, like a to- well, it's a toaster. It's huge. It's like it's massive huge. and very torture device looking. You're right. It looks like a torture device. Yep. <laughs> and uh, it injects analeptic compounds, which reverse the cell damage. And I love how his lines are, are very similar to what our modern doctors say. This is going to sting a bit. <laughs> you might feel a little bit of a sting. And so she deals with it. And so he injects her. And then we, at this point, I think we jump to astrometrics. Astrometrics next. Yeah. Tuvok comes in and Seven says, here's the calculations for the captain's plan, plan B. Mm-hmm. She's, she, and then he starts to leave. She goes, and here's some calculations for plan C in case that fails. <laughs> These are structural enhancements to protect the ship uh, from the radiation explosion. And then Tuvok, as he's leaving, he goes, is there a plan D? So <laughs> there's not a lot of optimism that this uh, plan is going to work. No, but but mm-hmm. at least we have a plan C, B, and C. All right, so now we're back at the Malon freighter, and as they're working away vigorously to get the job done, all of a sudden the deck that they're on starts to decompress, yeah. and they're like, "What the? Who did that? I mean, how is this happening?" So now they have to get off this deck as soon as possible. So as they're kind of climbing up this one um, stairwell or this one ladder, uh, everyone gets out except for Jacote. He's the last person, and as he's looking back during the decompression. Looks like a hyperspanner or something. Something flies towards him and just. It's like two pl- plastic tubes. I feel two, like for, they look. For me- Robert, they were metal. They were metal. They were. I don't know. They were metal. I feel like <laughs> he was climbing plastic? up. No. And it looks like somebody was standing there, and they said, "Okay, Robert, start climbing, and we'll go. We'll go like three, two, one, and then we'll toss these plastic tubes at you, <laughs> and and." It, it looked I, silly to all me. Right, I don't it know looked, here you got plastic because they were silvery metallic in terms of their composition. So um, they probably were in real life and plastic. lightweight. <laughs> they looked like it looked like uh, like a kid's slinky toy or no, something. No, not even close. Know. No, it looked like some type of a section of a piping or tubing or or that he was. Gets, he gets knocked out, but they fine. threw a couple props at him and he fell out of the close up. It was like. <laughs> It kind anyway, of reminded we, me of, of um, the episode when we were in the prison ship and and then they're throwing, I'm trying to speak to all the prisoners and they start throwing debris at me and I get hit. Oh, in the head. yeah. Very similar. Very similar. Yeah, type similar of thing. to that. Yeah. <laughs> but but we go we go to Bolana and, and the gang and they look back. They're like, where's Chicote? Yeah. And he's not there. Yeah. She tries to hail him. No response. No yeah. response. So she calls the ship. Yeah. And Kim, uh, Kim Harry responds. Look at this. I get to say a few words here. Yeah, you have a few <laughs> lines. I have a few lines. So she hails Voyager. Kim responds. She asks for him to beam. Uh, she asks Harry to beam Chicote to sickbay. Kim does it. Chicote is okay, and everyone breathes a sigh of relief. Now there's an argument that breaks out between Fesic and Torres about how these airlocks opened. So she thinks that maybe that he had sabotaged it or something like that. Sabotaged it. And he says like, no. It's his fault. Yeah. And he's like, I didn't do anything. And while they're doing this, monster vision happens again now. Monster vision. The creature, fart monster vision is happening. The creature is watching. Fart vision is happening. Yes. And uh, we jump to the bridge where uh, Janeway and Tuvok are there. Tuvok suggests that he be over. Yeah, they're off at a side panel, yeah. you know, a side console. And I love that angle because I feel like they pulled out to put the camera behind that side. They pulled out something that we don't normally pull out. Like it was an angle we don't normally see. Right. I also thought it was cool because that side station is usually the station that Torres sits at yeah. when she's on the bridge. So yeah. it's interesting that there's, you know, they, they actually played it out there because this whole scene is about Tuvok saying, I can beam over and take over the mission. And Janeway is like, very defensive. She's no, like, no, no. And Tuvok's like, her emotions, they're going to affect her. They're going to get the best of her. This could be a, She's a, too a major problem. Yeah. yeah. And Janeway's like, you know what? I don't think that's right. And Tuvok's like, logic suggests that I we need to. And she goes, no, it's not about logic. It's about trust. Me trusting in Bolana. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she says this at the station that Bolana is typically sitting at, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, it's very yeah. cool. Very cool. Nice little scene. 
Uh, Janeway ends it by saying she's going to come through for all of us. Yeah. Then we go back to the mail on ship. Neelix walks in. I love this little moment. He walks in on, on Balana, who's kind of on, down sitting on the ground with her eyes closed. Mm-hmm. And he's like, are you okay? And she goes, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. And there's kind of an awkward moment. Yeah. She goes, report. <laughs> she doesn't know what to <laughs> she say. She doesn't know what to say because he, he caught her meditating. So yeah. um, I did make a note that when he, when he asks her if she's fine, I just said, God, that is so looped because it just, you could hear the background. Oh, really? was it? it didn't sound like anything else that came before that or after that. Again, that's usually the the signal or the, the, how you realize something's looped because there is a difference just, in the noise the tone, before the yeah. tone. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. We find out that the last deck has been vented and yes. that there is a clear path to the control room. And she also sort of cops to the fact that she was meditating and she says, Neelix starts laughing, yeah, but Neelix starts laughing. He's like, you? And I yeah. just thought it was kind of interest, interesting that he he sort of took that option or that choice as an actor yeah. to kind of laugh at that point. But um, yeah, so we get a little more backstory, what's going on there. And also like at the end when, when she leaves, we hang on him again for a minute. And he adds another moment of like, the railing had goo on it. Or yeah, something. yeah. He touched it, and he sort of touches it and looks at his hand. I was like, "What? What is that goo?" And I'm sure that was not scripted. I'm no, sure and that's what's so little... great with Ethan yeah. Phillips is that look at this because typically it's just going to be a shot on him reacting to her leaving, and that's it, right? It's a shot yeah. on his face. But he chose to. He made that choice to touch that railing and and realize how gooey it is. How and gross. again. <laughs> It just adds so much more to the scene when yeah. something like that is included. So good job, Ethan Phillips. Very good. Now we go to Astrometrics again. Mm-hmm. And Seven says the control room is still too heavily shielded to get a reading. So stand by. Don't go in the control room, basically. Yeah, because Torres, Torres is actually asking Seven to scan this control room. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Fessick, we go back and he says... Uh, the theta dampening field is still active, so it should be safe to go yep. inside. Mm-hmm. So they go inside. <laughs> no, 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 but, but let's make it clear. Torres goes, well, you go first then, is what she says oh, yeah, right she there. Does. Yeah. She does. But say they do that. go inside, and he's just said, oh, yeah, it's safe in there. It's fine. And then the doors open. They go in, and there's bodies on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> it's not safe. <laughs> there's dead bodies on the floor. <laughs> and there's, there's more smoke than ever. They're, they're yeah. coughing. It, it doesn't seem safe to me. Yes. <laughs> he just said it's safe. I'm going to say it doesn't seem yeah. safe. Yeah. Fessick starts punching some console, and he discovers that Theta Gas has actually leaked into the warp manifold. So it's a lot worse off than he thought it was going to be. And yep. Neelix then informs us that they've got 10 minutes. 10 yep. whole it's, minutes before the entire freighter explodes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Bolana works some power conduits or something. And uh, she said, we can seal them one at a time. We can seal these uh, leaks one at a time. And so we go to sick bay from here and yep. Chicote wakes up and he wants to go back on the ship. And the doctor yeah. says, no, no, you can't go back over there. And the doctor also says that he found some unidentified tissue in Pelk's autopsy. Yeah, in the wounds that Pelk has. In the wounds, yeah. And then the doctor calls Seven and says, scan for life forms on that ship because there's another life form. There's, It's not Pelk's tissue. There's something else over. Right. And then he, the doctor finds out that the tissue is saturated with theta radiation, but it is not showing signs of decay. So that's what's so confusing to the doctor. So that yeah. makes him feel like there's something that's alive there. So it came from something or someone that has developed a resistance to the radiation. So the doctor is hailing Seven to scan for this life form. So she does recalibrate the sensors and start scanning for this new life form that the doctor yeah, this, has found. Because the doctor tells Seven, he says it could be hidden, it could be blending in with That's the right. radiation. So, yeah. so she recalibrates. And mm-hmm. now we go back to the mail on ship. There's a power surge and they can't continue venting these chambers. Mm-hmm. This power surge, suddenly Bolana says, well, you know what? This was triggered at a station on this deck right nearby. Yeah. So that's weird. There's yeah. nobody else out there. Suddenly, Janeway calls from the bridge. They they have detected a life form. The doctor was right. Seven recalibrated things, found that there is another life form. This and- life form, they believe, killed Pelk. So mm-hmm. it's time for them to get out of there. Taurus says they just lost power. Janeway says that they're diverting 
the freighter to a nearby star. They're going to plan B. Plan B in action and that they need That's to right. exit the control room in order to be beamed out. And as they try to leave, the doors close in front of them and they jam. And so now Seven detects the life form entering the control room and now attacks Neelix. It attacks Fessick and then it comes for Torres. And now we finally have a reveal of who or what this individual is. And we see that it is a core laborer, probably the same one, so the same individual that was sent down to the core that didn't want to go in the very beginning. We talked about that. Yeah. And he looks just like a radiation monster. I yeah. Mean, yeah. He's, yeah. he's just doesn't look any it doesn't look malon at all he's he's yeah bubbles and he's bubbled everywhere. up all over on one half of his face definitely and, and uh balana says in this moment when he finally reveals himself she's mm. she says don't make me kill you mm-hmm. and he responds i'm already, already dead. dead yeah mm. that's a classic action movie line right it there. really is it really yeah, is it's good and voyager maneuvers the malon vessel towards the o-type star and of course, our Malon fart monster alters the course and uh, away from the star. And mm-hmm. there are three minutes until detonation. Uh, Torres then just, you know, she realizes there's nothing that she can do. And she knocks this core laborer down. But she does try to speak to him. She does try to, because she sees that anger has consumed him as anger consumed her as a child mm-hmm. and all the lessons she's been trying to learn from Tuvok. So now she's trying to get this guy, try to get through to him and, and say that, mm-hmm. I know you're angry. I know you want revenge, but this is not the answer. And, you know, he still, he doesn't listen. So basically that's when she re- resorts to violence and beats him down. <laughs> and yeah. uh, she shuts down the maneuvering thrusters so that the Malon vessel can then be guided by Tuvok towards the O-type star again. She runs out with Fessick and with Neelix just in time out of the control room to be beamed by Harry back onto Voyager. And the vessel, we see a, a cool exterior shot of the vessel hurtling towards the O-type star and the explosion. Again, another cool visual effects shot of that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we then show up in sickbay yep. where we see Chakotay and Torres. We see Chakotay and Torres standing by one of the bio beds and away she's from a, everyone. away from everyone. Yeah. She's a wreck. Like she's got grease and debris and goo all over her body. I just felt like this moment was very weird. And normally I love unconventional staging, but it's like she was sort of facing to one direction and he was facing the other and they weren't looking at each other, but they were talking to each other. It yeah. was a little, yeah. a little weird staging, I thought. It is but weird. Chicote does say to her that maybe the meditation is working. Yes, that he saw that maybe it's working. She should mm. keep it up. And she goes, don't expect me to make a habit of this. Yeah. That was funny. <laughs> the doctor interrupts their little aside conversation. Mm-hmm. He says that he has repaired most of Torres's cellular degradation. And Janeway sort of jumps into that shot. And she tells Fessick that they've contacted a Malon transport vessel. They are going to rendezvous with that vessel. Fessick then sort of laments on what is he going to tell his superiors yeah, how am I explain about this? what happened? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. How am I going to explain what happened? And Balana says, tell them it's real. Tell, tell them, them the Fahar, the are, Fahar not a myth. are not a myth. Yes. yes. The ending of my haiku. Yes, exactly. <laughs> now, I wrote Taurus's quarters, but isn't this your quarters as well? Or no? Are you guys? I think, I, I think we use the same place on the set, but they change out the dressing or something. No, no. I mean, aren't you? Aren't you living together now as characters or no? I think so. No, you're no. still separate. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We go into her quarters and I wrote down, why is she still so dirty and filthy? Like if she had been to sick bay, they would have cleaned her up. They would have put her into a, I don't know. It, just, yeah. it seemed like she walked out of sick bay. I know they well, fixed her, her radiation yeah. cellular damage, but yeah. She's a mess. I don't know. It was a, it was well, a, they weird... don't have a sonic shower in sick base. So that's probably why she's still a mess is what I'm thinking. I, I mean, was she so. in the prior shot? Was she cleaner than she was in this shot? No, she was okay. still, dirty. still dirty. Okay. It just All seemed right. like they would have cleaned her up or something, but I know they got They wrote in, you got to get to a sonic shower here. Yeah. 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 She goes in, she takes her top off. So we've got those awkward kinds of shots where you have to avoid any frontal nudity and yes. standing in front of the mirror. 
with her top off and looking at herself, it sort of leans into the mirror, has these flashbacks of the rage and the, the fight. Yeah, I was a, I was a little confused, I got to be honest, in, this, okay. in what the story was saying. Okay. Although one thing you said makes it a little clearer, I guess, which is, um, you know, she saw in this guy the same kind of rage that she has she in has. herself. Yeah. Which I guess is what she's struggling with and fighting, mm-hmm. but it was not very, it was not clear to me why this was so clear cut. Okay. No, no. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she she has this moment of flashbacks in the mirror and then she steps in the sonic shower and we go off of kind of a vis effects of her going from that dirty, greasy, grimy look to, to clean. things things starting to become clean yeah. mm-hmm. in the in the middle of that sonic shower close okay. up. Right. Um, and that's how we end the episode. OK, what is your lesson that you have well, learned from this episode? I You know. I was trying to come up with a, a lesson. What I came up with was you can't bury your feelings or experiences or anger any more than you can bury the toxic garbage that they try to pretend doesn't exist. Ah, that that was sort of, yeah. but I, I do think that the story really is about Balana, and maybe there is something in her sort of seeing herself in these Malon and what they were, mm-hmm. particularly the monster Malon, you know, mm-hmm. but what was your theme? Well, I mean, just going back to Tuvok's meditation lessons with her, just not to allow emotion to go unchecked, because Mm -hmm. that is when it becomes um, chaotic and destructive. So Mm -hmm. really to keep your emotion in check, emotions when when they run away can be very dangerous. So that's pretty much what I They can turn into a monster. They can turn into a fart monster. Fart monster. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, What was your rating on this? I'm going to say 7.0. Wow. I'll leave it there. Okay. Seven. Seven I'm going to give it a 5.5. Okay. You're going really low. 5.5. And I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. Because I do think this was the intention of this was to be a monster movie, like Mm -hmm. a monster episode. Mm -hmm. And I just don't, I, I feel like the monster came in way too late. Like, Mm-hmm. We never saw him. We, there were there was never any clear threat by the monster. It was it was felt it felt like a myth, mm-hmm. but yet it was real in the end. I just feel mm-hmm. like the monster. Somebody should have said the monster's real. The audience should have had an experience that this mm-hmm. mon there really was a monster because otherwise well, I would. But don't just, they have that experience from the fart vision? I mean, isn't that kind of their experience? But there already? was no threat. There was no okay. like he wasn't doing anything. Yeah. I mean, I guess he could have, you know, locked the levers and done all that stuff. It just didn't. It didn't feel like the monster was very tangible and real early okay. enough to maintain this monster movie story. All right. He he really didn't become a threat till that last scene. Okay. A, a direct threat. So let us that's why I give it a 5.5. All right. Let us know what everyone else thought, what the captains we and go. the uh, admirals thought. Captains and aver- uh, admirals average rating for Juggernaut is a seven. <laughs> wow. I you am were, right on the you mark. You were on the mark. I'm on the mark. I would have, I, I got to be honest with you, I would have gone lower on this, except that I think Alan Craker did a great job directing. He did. I think Roxanne did a great job in her work. And our guest stars were really good. And yeah. everybody, you know, I, I felt like the execution all around was really strong. That's why I didn't give it like a four, honestly. Or uh, yeah, I would have gone lower, but because my buddy Lee Ehrenberg is in it, I couldn't go lower. No. <laughs> I had to go, I had to keep it at the seven zone. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All okay. right. Well, good. Well, there you go. There's Juggernaut. Right. There on. it is. All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining in for this week's review and discussion of Juggernaut. Yes. Thank and, you so yeah. much for joining us for the fart episode. Um, <laughs> it is a memorable and well, important episode. Yes. We uh, will be reviewing an episode which is arguably Robbie McNeil's best directed episode of Star Trek Voyager, Someone to Watch Over Me. You're kidding next me. That's week. next week? That's right, my friend. So I'm oh very excited to be able to, to finally tackle 
your piece oh. de resistance as a voyageur director was this one so yeah this is a good yeah. episode mm-hmm. and i and i'm not saying that because i directed it it's just a really good episode it, it was a very good episode yeah. all right so um patreon patrons please stay tuned for your bonus material everyone else we'll see you next week mm-hmm.